You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. I'm Michael Pincus from MichaelPincusWineReview.com. I'm Andre Prue from AndreWineReview.ca. And I somehow don't have a fully operational studio. No, I don't know. And that's because my uh, technical uh, director uh, sucks. Are you talking about me? Yes. (laughs) You know... I, I will admit that we probably should have tested some equipment before I left on my trip because I know a lot of people really do enjoy the podcast that we do from on the road. And uh, you were able to record while I was out in BC and in Oregon. But since then, we've had to change some equipment on your side. Yes. And uh, I'm sure there's just a button that needs to be pushed <laughs> or some kind of lever that has to be done on the computer. Uh, but that's kind of, you know, I did, as you did, went to radio college. Yes. But I did not, I did not uh, major in um, technical production. I Oh, wait, wait, wait. Did... I do need to backtrack. I actually never went to radio college. Oh. Well, I, I went to radio college, and I, I majored in announcing and minored in music. Neither one of them needed any kind of fiddly diddly with uh, buttons and knobs, because that's what you had the technical people for. Fair enough. And you know, this is enough talk about about geek stuff, and we can get to wine. I was recently oh. a judge uh, at the 2017 Best of Vino Verde competition in Portugal. This is your first time in Portugal, right? This is my first time in Portugal. Yes, and it was an amazing trip. Uh, the wines are dirt cheap, but the uh, as you're going to hear in the podcast um, that I recorded on the road with my uh, fellow judging panel, the quality to price ratio for Portuguese wines is off the charts. Like we're talking four or five, like maybe six euros if you're looking at at spending a few bucks. So that's like six, seven, eight dollars Canadian to get decent wine to drink. Having having been to Portugal. Uh, a few times, I can tell you that uh, it's it's a, one. It's a beautiful country, which which you found out. Two wines are fantastic, and you're like, how come this stuff doesn't come over here? I'm sure you found that out. Yes. And uh, and three, uh, it's a beautiful country. Yeah, he said that twice. <laughs> <laughs> you know no, what? But, I was actually I was impressed. What I, what I, I, I was impressed I, with with the food. I, 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 I mean, it's it's one of the funny things where uh, I look back and I was there for five days and then some travel days in between and yeah. I had 10 meals that weren't breakfast, 10 of which included fish of some sort. And by the end of the week, I still wasn't sick of fish. Uh, oh, I mean, fish. The, the way they, they deal with their seafood. Yeah, the way they deal with seafood is really just outstanding. Yeah. And then and what most people probably don't know is the you know, the great white wines. I know I know we've all heard of Vino Verde, but or Vino Verde. But, uh, I mean, um, it's just some great white wine uh, across the board in yes. Portugal. Yep. So, without further ado, uh, you're about to hear the first and possibly the only edition of five, I believe it was six guys and one girl talking wine, because Michael was stuck in St. Catharines with uh, out of working in recording studio. Uh, that is correct. Well, take it away, Andre. If you're listening to this recording, you're listening to two guys talking wine. And my co-host is not here. We are 
one, two, five guys and one girl talking wine because Michael Pincus is stuck in Canada and doesn't know how to work his computer enough to record the two of us from Portugal. So I've brought some co-stars along for the ride this, this podcast. And uh, let's just go around, introduce yourself and where you're from. Hey, my name is Ozono. Yes, me too. <laughs> Hi, everybody. My name is Gonçalo. Uh, I'm from Portugal. Uh, and I currently work at the, the Commission of Vinhos Verdes. And uh, I have the pleasure to receive uh, André here in our beautiful region. And uh, I can't wait to see his feedback about his experience here. Well, you're about to find out. Okay, it's going to be now. Okay. Uh, my name is Brian Donegan. I'm a sommelier from San Diego, California, in the United States. I'm Professor Wine. I'm from Sweden. <laughs> Hello, I'm Stephanie I'm from Hamburg, and my hobbies are horse riding and reading. And we were the judges for the Best of Vino Verde 2017 competition. And we have no idea who won yet. Tomorrow night is the gala. But I knew that there is no fucking way that we're going to be recording a podcast tomorrow night. And yes, we can use curse words on this podcast. There is no, there is no CRTC listening to this. Absolutely. This is not going on the radio. This is going on the internet. And I just I thought it would be fun for us to talk a little bit about uh, what we've experienced this week. We've been traveling through the region. We've been all over. I'm going to have to check a map to see exactly where we've been. But we've been... East of Porto, we've been north of Porto. We've been around. We've been around. And uh, we've had a, a fun time uh, just sort of sharing our experiences. So Gonzalo's been good enough to host us. Unfortunately, we made it to our hotel on time. I think for the first time we did something on time in two days. <laughs> Was that good? No. No. <laughs> no. And it turns out that uh, I probably wasn't the most misbehaved one on the, uh, the trip. So, uh, Anders from uh, Sweden, how does it feel to be the most uh, misbehaved member of our outfit and also our, uh, our ringleader? I love it. <laughs> I feel it's like a big family coming in. Meeting Steffi and uh, Mr. Hockey and, and the guys here. So, it's been up and down, but we had a, a great experience this evening. We tasted some um, biodynamic wine. And, you know, we arrived a little bit grumpy, but it went good. Uh, tonight we were definitely put in a, a very good mood once we had a chance to open these wines. And I know orange wine is definitely a topic that can be very contentious in many circles. But that was a good wine. And, I mean, the yeah. bottom line for me, I, don't, I, know, I know I've said this on the podcast before, I don't care about the trends. <coughs> the wines have to taste good, and the wines definitely tasted yeah. good. Uh, we had a pet nut tonight that was easily the best pet nut that I've tasted ever in my limited experience, but very exceptional wine. But it was not only that. We had a, a very, very nice experience with that booty sky. Yes, Yes, George, who is not here right now, I think he recorded the speech, but maybe he'll be good enough to uh, send me the copy of the speech and I can insert a clip right here. That was the first time for me getting a pep talk at a winery. <laughs> a pep talk Buddhist, Buddhist, from Buddhist monk. And it was actually the first time we were quiet. The whole group was quiet for 10 minutes. <laughs> and all focused on one thing. No, 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 just, I mean, sorry, in the bus... Nobody talks. Sorry, it's not yeah, true. Everybody's sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> or checking the internet. Except for you. <laughs> Ordering wine all the time. 
That's what you do on the laptop. Just order wine online. Yeah, just auto. <laughs> so let's so. rewind maybe a little bit, and uh, I'll single Brian out, and then we'll go around the, the circle here. But uh, what are, just what have been some of the highlights of the trip other than what we've tasted tonight? I, I think, honestly, like, like right, we're in a situation right now where I feel like we bookended the two best things. I mean, we started on such an incredible high note with the wines of uh, 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 Menchus, and those wines were just... Phenomenal. I mean, just great focus, great texture, complexity. Very, very different. Even though they were all 100% Albarino, they all had an exact different character, which I found really, really remarkable about those wines. And then having Afroche, the last wines that we just tasted, which were just—I'm I mean, usually not the biggest fan of biodynamics, but I think his wines are just un- unbelievable. Mm. It is one of the, the, the thing that I've heard from producers in the U.S. that talk about biodynamics, even if they're not as very much into it and very involved as uh, 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 he was today. They they love the act of biodynamics because they said it keeps me in my vineyard and I know every single one of my vines intimately. I know I know what's going on with every single row and every single single vine. And I think really that that showed today with the ones of Afrocious ones were, were phenomenal. Yeah, and I, I mean there is a bit of the voodoo witchcraft that can get associated with biodynamics, but there's the common sense approach. Uh, I mean, we didn't talk about whether it was a root day or flower day when we opened any of the wines. Yeah. We just opened them and drank them, and that was quite refreshing as well. Yep. Andrew, up for you? Fantastic. I'm quite, I'm a little bit, um, how would I say, a little bit uh, harsh to get to the, to, to the biodynamic, but this was, this was, they are good, the wines are good. But at the same time, they stood out a lot because we had, Maybe I shouldn't say this, but we have had <coughs> different wines also, industrial wines, yes. not yeah. very high in quality, not personal, and so on. So he arrived, Basco came with the wine exactly at the right moment mm. for us. You, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what, I would agree with you that we have had a lot of in, industrial wines, and I'm not just saying this because Gonzalo is, is sitting here with us, but I think in general, even with the industrial wines, when you're talking value to price, in this country at least, we're talking about wines that cost less than a bottle of Yellowtail, and I would say the quality is much higher than what we're finding yes. from okay. a lot of these really large mass-produced markets that are making it to at least to mine and Brian's market. But uh, that reminds me of the tasting we had, all of us. I think the consensus of the group is that the at least the first 20 or 25 wines, I can't remember, the whites, were, the standard was quite high. Yes, yeah. for, the, for the judging, right? Yeah, for yes. the judging. And uh, I'm a little bit grumpy at giving points to wines, but I had quite high scores for most of the wines we tasted. I mean, we'll find out tomorrow who the winners were, but uh, judging those white wines was a challenge because the standard was set hmm. quite high. I and agree. we had some moments on the bus, and me and uh, Takahiro and, and Stephanie compared notes, and we had very little overlap, so it's really going to be interesting to see. I mean, we, we all are tasting wines in our own markets and with our own people, so... We definitely have some very differently calibrated palettes here, even even keeping our standards quite high with how we were scoring. So price, price quality, you're talking about that, uh, Andre. Yes, I agree with you. Uh, 
But, oh. you know, for me, it's because we, we sell lots of Vigne Verde in, in Germany, and it's uh, mostly these CO2 and fresh and easy-drinking wine, so that's a recognition of Vigne Verde in Germany. And it really opened my, my eyes this week, and, um, I mean, it's, it's nice and bad because bad because um, there's so much work to do because you know I'm I'm selling wine and I'm in between the wine grower winemaker and the customers and uh, I have to tell the customers that there's different styles of vineyard so so I um, learned so much this week and uh, well, let's, I mean, let's, let's pause for a moment because you told us your hobbies when we introduced you, but maybe you should tell us a little bit about where you're from and what you do. You may know that you buy wine now, but where can people find you if they were to visit Hamburg? I'm a somebody and I used to work for Gordon Ramsay. And, um, Did some... he ever throw anything at you? Oh, no, because he has no idea about wine. Uh, so he needed me. <laughs> Holy crap! We've got that on the podcast. You know, we, we 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 tag the people when the podcasts come out, so That's maybe fine. Mr. Ramsey That's will okay. listen to this. And... Oh, he knows it. Oh. Uh, and um, yeah, now I'm you know I work for one of the biggest wine importer in in Europe. It's called Havesco, and um, I'm very lucky because I you know work for Playground, and um, I'm. I'm doing a small department bringing wine to younger people, so I'm, you know, I can experiment myself. So just trying new things and selling wines to festivals, to music clubs, so on. And we do have a wine bar in São Paulo, and yeah, it's uh, good fun. But um, still, there's so much work on Vignoret because in Germany people think it's easy drinking, it's green wine and it's fresh and it's acidic, but uh, there's so many different styles and so many nice wines and yeah, very looking forward. I think now is a good time to introduce this question and I will ask this to, to everyone here. So what were your thoughts about region and Vignoret before your visit? And now, after all of your visit to the producers, to, to, to the sub-regions, and all the contact we had with the region and the wines. So, what did something change? What do you think? Hey, yeah, whose who show is this? Whose show is this? <laughs> but, I mean, it, it, is, it is a fair question. We all come from a different uh, depth, depth of knowledge and different uh, access to these wines in our respective homes. Go, go ahead, Stephanie. No, I told you already. So I, you know, I thought it's it's it's, it's easy drinking wines and it's fresh and um, yeah, it fits to to German consumers. But it's so different and so there's so many different styles and Averino, Lorero, and it's just beautiful. But you know, it makes me. Um, I mean, I, I've got the job now because I have to tell our customers what uh, Vinivere is. So because you know, they come to the store. Oh, no, no, I can't say, because, you know, there are all wines for all different occasions. So, you know, you have party wines, like easy drinking, fresh, That is the most acidic, political and, answer ever, And Come then on. you have, like, foodie. No, no, you have wines for restaurants, because, you know, we have customers. Um, I deliver to restaurants. The question was, fine dining which one did you like? Oh. That was a difficult question. It no, is. no, no, no. German, they used to. They used to be snappy. You know what? You're okay. answering the no. question after her, though. So. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm selling wine, so I, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm not blind anymore, and I'm not romantic with wine anymore. So you know. You're not I, romantic anymore. No. <laughs> oh, no. 
Okay, so we've got the little cancer, Anders. Your favorite favorite varietal we had this week? This week, uh, Lurero opened up my eyes. Big time. I'm Brian? I would say Lurero, but with a caveat in there. The ones that were like just super floral and, and aromatic and like crazy terpenic that were over the top, I didn't like. I more like the Lureros like that we had today that had balance to them and had lots of complexity and not and weren't just weren't just you know like aroma bombs and that was and that was it. Like wines that had, that had them kind of like really well balanced. Of, 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 well, I'll throw mine out there just because everyone's been put on the spot. But earlier today I tweeted out Viva Alvarino. And uh, I think this this is definitely per- personal preference because we tasted great wines from all the varietals that but we were exposed to here. Everybody knows about Alvarino. But, but not, they're the so different. Yes, yes, so different it's, it's here nice. than they are in these places, right over the border. I mean, it's it's nice. Yes, yes. Everybody knows Alvarino. You you have to understand though that in Ontario we have really limited access to Portuguese wines and. I, I am hoping that as we get to spread the word, and you've had the pleasure of meeting a lot of Canadian journalists. I don't know how many you've met here, but as it sort of builds Is it up, too many? no, no, I, there, there are so many good Canadian <laughs> journalists. In the but I mean, I've, I've talked to you all about how our domestic market works, and I can go on about this a, a little bit just because this is going to be listened to by the people who are listening to us. But in Ontario, we have our own wine industry, and it's a lot of uh, high acidity varietals. We have a lot of Riesling, and I think Alvarino is a nice kind of cousin, if we want to call it that, to, to Riesling. And there's definitely a lot of room for more bottles like that in the Ontario market. So coming back to another subject, we were talking about the white wines. Did you guys like the red wines? Because there's the question. The 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 majority of them, I was not a big fan, but there were a few reds that we had that I really really uh, enjoyed. They increasingly got better as the week went on. Are they good or interesting? Okay, the stuff we had tonight. The stuff we had tonight was was good. good. Yeah. Yeah. And. I mean, the stuff that we had... Are they good, good? Or are they good, interesting? No, they were good, good. Mm. They, they were definitely good, good, the stuff that we had tonight. Mm. And that was uh, Vigneau? Yeah. Well, the, the one that was like the... Not the Pinot, but that was kind of like the, the very soft one was mainly Alvarelio. Uh, 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 Alvarelio and a little uh, Vigneau. I mean, but most yeah. most of the, the red wines that we've had this week even served a little bit chilled. The tannin was ridiculously high. And I, I don't know what, how these wines would develop if you toss them in a decanter. If maybe you needed to decant them for a few hours to let them <coughs> soften up a bit. But, uh, like, Gonzalo, is that just how people in Portuguese like their red wines? They just like a lot of tannin. And, I mean, we've eaten a lot of really great food, and I know we've been talking all week about how these are food wines. So I know you were good. I'm going to throw that caveat in there for you. This is a typical region where we eat a lot of heavy foods. And this type of red wine goes... Perfectly, these heavy dishes that we have, super uh, greasy meats, heavy dishes with beans and everything. So the people, people from Ming, from the region, are mostly the people, the only people that consume these types of, 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 of wine. But now, since the region is starting to develop a new style of quality for this type of wines, uh, a new market is emerging. So, and new opportunities are, are, are starting to appear. And it's good for the, the grape variety, for the reds. They are in the beginning of a long process, but uh, I think we can achieve a good, a good result in a, few, in a few years. Okay, but now if we were to talk to an average consumer uh, with the vino that we had tonight, 
be better than some of the vina we had earlier this week or the Turega Nacional that's... I think we should... Uh, uh, Do you think Donald Trump would like that? <laughs> How did we get to Trump already? I mean, no, no, come on. You know, this means we have to, this means we have to tweet this out. The program. We have I, to tweet I, this out. I don't think now. he's drinking wine. So. He makes wine. wine. He makes wine. Really? There's yeah. Donald Trump wine. He's yeah. a winery in Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. With his face on the logo. Right? But, yeah. but he's never yeah. been there. It must be an orange wine. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Great. Now we have to tweet this out. And this is your fault, Anders. Yeah. Sorry, Gonzalo, continue. As I was saying, uh, a really good vineyard, as we saw today, needs to be worked a lot. So the price is not that cheap for the Portuguese consumer. That's why we heard Vasco from Afro's Wine saying that his main market for this type of wines is international. So the consumers that are willing to pay a bit more for these types of wines. And so that's why the, the main wines for the region, for the consumer, are the white wines. It's when you have more uh, diversity of grape varieties, we, we have more, more to offer for our consumers from an entry level till a, a premium level as well. Uh, that's the area that uh, the producers and the commission were more focused but now we are putting a bit more effort to the roses and to the reds. Now, I know we're, you were talking about kind of dollar value and whatnot, and everyone here has heard me just talk about how expensive things are in Canada, but in, in Portugal you can get a good bottle of these larger, more mass-produced uh, Vino Verdes for three, four euros, so you're looking at five or six Re dollars Canadian. Price, yes. Retail prices if you go to a grocery store, and I've seen some of them on the shelves. So, I mean, they're obviously going to increase the price once they get through our wonderful uh, government monopoly, but to come here and to come here as a tourist, it is really cheap to eat and drink well. And when we're talking about premium wines, like, so at Avros tonight, like the premium wines we were looking at still under 20 euros, so we're still looking at less than $30 Canadian to get into some of these really just excellent wines. So we've got some perspective here on, on price. Are you right? I, I agree. I mean, what what is it like for entry level wines in uh, in Germany and, and Sweden? Entry level wine is five to six euros. And in Germany? Yeah, uh, it's three. But three euros? It's, yeah, it's not drinkable. So <laughs> <laughs> spoken like someone who should be running a five wine bar. Five to six euros not drinkable. If I spend five to six euros on a supermarket, I guarantee I, I will have a good wine. I know for sure, for that price, I get a good wine on the, on the shelf. It's the beauty of this country. Yeah. Does anyone want to say anything about the food before we wrap it, it, up? Come on, it's not only, exactly, it's not only wine, it's food. <laughs> Did we have some good cheese today? Absolutely. Did we find some cheese? Some, yeah. Yes. Actually, it, it, it's, it's really been interesting this week because we've, we've eaten in a restaurant with one Michelin star and we've eaten some very fine dining places and these restaurants were most definitely excellent and I will be writing about them and posting them on AndreWineReview.ca but I think the most memorable meals were a little bit more traditional. It was the seafood. Mm. Um, and the easy food. The, well, yeah. the, that first meal that we had on the Monday night? Mm -hmm. Jesus, I've lost track of time. But I mean, it was uh, so gooseneck barnacles, or as they're called in Portuguese, Gonzalo? Perceps. Perceps. I mean, just one of the most delicious things I've ever eaten out of something that looks so weird, like something out of Star Trek. <laughs> yes. 
but the crab and the shrimp. But I mean, the seafood here really shines, and I'm still not sick of fish. And it's. Uh, but it's, we have forgotten one thing. What did we forget? The people. The people. Yes. In, in the mm. It's not only the wine and the gastronomy. It's the people. People are friendly. They welcome you. Mm-hmm. They're not tired of tourists. They are mm. welcoming you. Yeah. I feel at home. It's it's as Canadians we wear that hospitality on our on our sleeve and I just I gotta tip my hat to every person in this country if they were ever to come to Canada they would feel like home because I definitely feel like home here. Thank you so much. It's super nice to hear. All right. Well, we are five guys, like six guys, because George from Brazil has shown up mid podcast and one girl talking wine. Uh, I'm going to throw it back to Michael in the studio, and I will make fun of you in a moment as we wrap up this podcast. <laughs> you know, it was a lot of fun getting to uh, hang out with a lot of these people, and also just to get different perspectives uh, on on wines uh, from people from different places. I know that that was sort of roundabout circular thing that I just said, but the thing that really amazed me was we were all good tasters. Um, at least I hope that I'm a good taster. But when we compared our notes on the bus, I compared my notes with uh, Hirotaka and with Stephanie from Germany. And in the competition, none of our favorite wines matched up. And it was really, really interesting to see that. Well, because you're looking at, uh, you know, different cultures obviously have different palates. And we're noticing that here, just to bring Ontario into focus, um, we're noticing that here as we get more foreign investment and more uh, foreign um, uh, palates get involved with our wine, we're realizing that you know what we value here in Ontario, say good acidity, you know in, in Chardonnay especially, a little bit of oak. Uh, you'll notice that some cultures where some of our wines are making their way to uh, don't like those particular characteristics in their wine. And if you go to a winery that has foreign investment, you'll notice that some of the wines are not exactly the way you remember them. Yes, that's very true. I mean, you're talking about local producers here. But I mean, uh, it was especially interesting because for the Vino Verde competition, I mean, the way the competition was set up, we were tasting uh, the top wines from a competition that had several hundred wines enter. So, I mean, it it really isn't that unremarkable that our scores didn't line up because we were tasting the best of the best. So you're absolutely right in that different tastes from different regions of the world would factor into what we thought was the best when we're talking about a panel of wines that already included wines that scored very high by other panels that were tasted by a domestic jury. And you're a, you're a North American palate. You look sounds like you had a, J- a Japanese palate. Yep. And you had a European uh, German palate. So, and if I'm not mistaken, you had an American palate in there too, which would have been kind of fun. And we had a Brazilian palate, and uh, you know, another shout out to Anders Lavander from Sweden, who you know, and now who has uh, no I know. Palette at all? Apparently right, not. Right, Anders? <laughs> I know you agree with me, Anders, because I, I know Anders. I'm sure we'll find out uh, if he listens to this. I'm sure. You, We'll both hear from him. I'm, I'm sure we will. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Leave a review. We would love to hear what you think. Uh, Michael, hopefully on the next trip, uh, you'll have a working recording equipment so we can do it live on location. Uh, even though, I mean, this was my first international wine trip. Those schedules are 
packed. I mean, from the well, moment I woke up till it. the moment I went to bed, I had a glass of wine in my hand, and I was very serious and re- responsible in reporting back. And very little water. That I remember. <laughs> I'm sure that that'll be fixed for next time. We made sure that uh, the people of Vino Verde uh, knew that we needed some water by the time we got to certain stops. Anyways, you want to wrap this up? I do. I'm Michael Pincus from MichaelPincusWineReview.com. I'm Andre Prue from AndreWineReview.ca. And as always, good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.